0: Greetings, reading from Robert J. Morgan's book, More Real Stories for the Soul, 101 Incredible True Stories to Challenge Your Faith and Strengthen Your Trust in God. Story number 14 on page 36, recently I found an old book in a London shop, Memories of the Mission Fields by Christine L. Tingling, undated. Published in England, it tells of a Swedish missionary, Mr. Tornval, who arrived in Ping Lying, China, uninvited and unwelcome. The missionary realized he would only be accepted by providing medical help, but he had no training, only one small book and some homopathic remedies. He began with an old woman, nearly blind, who was carried each day to ask alms. At night she was returned to her hut, where a large stone was rolled across the door to keep out wolves, and there she had to stay until friends removed the stone the next morning. Turnval stopped daily and treated her eyes with salve. To the surprise of all, her eyes were restored. A soldier was then brought to Turnval with frostbitten leg requiring amputation. I had no instruments except a Swedish penknife and, and an American saw, but I boiled them and did the best I could. I had a book on anatomy and I kept it by me during the operation and looked at the diagrams to the leg as I cut. I did it in the veranda and the neighbors gathered around to watch the performance. I had no ether or chloroform but use a hot-salt solution as a palliative. The operation was successful, and afterwards the young soldier dried his disembembered leg in the sun so he could carry it home to his mother. But the city fathers, unimpressed, called a public meeting to discuss driving Tonval from their boundaries. The tide turned when the old beggar woman faced the crowd. "'Do you want good people in the city or not?' she demanded. "'All of you know me. You know that I was almost blind, "'and now I see. This man has helped me.'" Her words, strangely similar to those in John 9, moved the city, and Tornval was allowed to stay in Ping Laing, where in time he established both a church and a medical center. It's often said God is not as interested in ability as in availability. He can do amazing things with one small book and homopathic remedies in the hands of a committed soul. Beautiful, beautiful, wonderful, wonderful. Our next story is, is John Craig, number 15. It says... John Craig was born in Scotland in 1512, studied at the University of St. Andrews, and entered the ministry. While living in the continent, he found a copy of Calvin's Institutes, and in reading them, found himself becoming a Protestant. As a result, he was arrested by agents of the Inquisition, taken prisoner to Rome, and condemned to death at the stake. On the evening of August 19, 1959, while awaiting execution the next day, dramatic news arrived that Pope Paul IV had died. According to custom, the prisoners in Rome were thrown open and the prisoners were temporarily released. Craig took advantage of the opportunity, escaping to an inn on the city's outskirts. A band of soldiers tracked him down, but as the captain of the guard arrested him, He paused, looking at him intently. Finally, he asked Craig if he remembered helping a wounded soldier some years before in Bologna. I am the man you relieved, said the captain, and providence has now put it into my power to return the kindness. You are at liberty. The soldier gave Craig the money in his pockets and marked out an escape route for him. As he made his way through Italy, Craig avoided public roads, taking the circuitous route suggested by the captain and using the money for food. But at length, Craig's money was exhausted, and so were his spirits. He lay down in the woods, and gloomy, consider his plight. Suddenly, the sounds of steps in the brush was heard, and Craig tensed. It was a dog, and its mouth a purse. Craig wagged the animal away, fearing a trick, but the dog persisted, fawned on him, and left the purse in his lap. Using money from the purse, Craig reached Austria, where Emperor Maximilian listened to his sermon and gave him safe conduct. He thus returned to his native Scotland, where he preached Christ and obeyed it, the Reformation until his death many years later at age 88. Amen. Our next story is story number 16, Just As I Am. Just As I Am. She was an embittered woman, Charlotte Elliot of Britain, England. Her health was broken and her disability had hardened her. If God loved me, she muttered, he would not have treated me this way. Hoping to help her, a Swiss minister named Dr. Cesar Milan visited the Elias on May 9, 1822. Over dinner, Charlotte lost her temper and railed against God and family in a violent outburst. Her embarrassed family left the room, and Dr. Milan, left alone with her, Stared at her across the table. He said, you are tired of yourself, aren't you? At length, he continued, you are holy to your hate and anger because you have nothing else in the world to cling to. Consequently, you have become sour, bitter, and resentful. What is the cure, said Charlotte? the fate you are trying to despise. That's the cure, the fate you're trying to despise. As they talked, Charlotte softened. If I want to become a Christian, she said, and to share the peace and joy you possess, what would I do? You will give yourself to God just as you are now with your fightings and fears, hates, loves, and prides, and shames just as you are now with all your fightings, fears, hates and love, pride and shame. I will come to God just as I am, is that right? Charlotte did come just as she was. Her heart was changed that day. As time passed, she found and claimed John 6:37 as a special verse for her. He who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Several years later, her brother, Reverend Henry Eliot, was raising funds for a school for the children of poor clergymen. Charlotte wrote a poem, and it was printed and sold across England. The leaflet said, Sold for the benefit of St. Margaret's Hall, Brangton. Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Underneath, Charlotte's poem, which has since become the most famous invitational hymn. In history. Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou didst me to come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am, waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot, to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come, I come to thee. Beautiful, beautiful, wonderful, wonderful. Our next story is found way over here somewhere. Number 23, it says, in the early days of the Nazi denomination of Europe, the British Parliament still insisting on taking their weekends for leisure, Britain's ruling class left London for their country estates and didn't want to be bothered. It created no small problem, for crucial decisions could not be made in crisis because those in authority were unavailable. Winston Churchill, frustrated, frustrated beyond words, complained that Britain's rulers continue to take its weekends in the country, while Hitler takes his countries in the weekends. I often thought of that when wishing more of our church members would take the Lord's Day more seriously. According to a recent poll, only 60% of all born-again Christians are in church on any given Sunday. 40% are wall. When we neglect God's business on Sunday to pursue our own leisure, it gives Satan a free hand. Our bodies and souls are supposed to work six days and to rest on the seventh. We cannot persistently violate that law without breaking down at some point, either physically, emotionally, or in family relationships. The British statesman William Wilberforce once jotted down on his journal about two political friends who committed suicide. With peaceful Sundays, the strings would never have snapped as they did from overtention. Our greatest our great grandparents called it the Holy Sabbath, said one observer. Our grandparents called it the Lord's Day. Our parents called it Sunday, and we called it the weekend. Someone else wrote, one generation called it a holy day, the next a holiday, to the next it was a hollow day. I once heard Leslie Flynn liken the Sabbath to seven unmarried brothers who lived together in a large house six went out to work each day but one stayed home he had the place all lit up when the other six arrived home from work he also had the house warm and most importantly he had a delicious full course dinner ready for his hungry brothers one day the six brothers became unrestful and decided that the one that had been staying home should go to work too it's not fair, they cried, for the one to stay home while the others slave hard at a job. But when they all came home the first night, there was no light, nor was there any warmth, and worst of all, there was no hearty dinner awaiting them. And the next night, the same thing, darkness, cold, hunger. They soon went back to their former arrangements. It is the day of rest and worship that keeps the other six bright, warm, and nourishing, said Flynn. When we desecrate the Lord's day, we only hurt ourselves. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful, wonderful story. Our next story is Not a Single Soul. Number 24, Alan Francis Gardner grew up in a Christian home, took to sea and achieved a successful British naval career with little thought for God. But in 1822, he fell ill and had to reevaluate his life. He scribbled in his journal, After years of ingratitude, unbelief, blasphemy, and rebellion have I at last been melted. Alice, how how slow, how reluctant I had been to admit the heavenly guest who stood knocking without. He was converted, and he soon began thinking about missions. Traveling around the world had given Captain Gardner a glimpse of the need for missionaries, and he gave himself for the task. Leaving England for South America, he hoped to minister among the Arona Canyon, or Mapuche Indians of southern Chile. Government interference and inter-tribal fighting forced him back to England. Three years later, he was out again, visiting the Falcons this time, and investigating the possibility of taking the gospel to the islands of Patagonia and Tierra del Fuego. Sensing opportunity at hand, Gardner returned to England and on July fourth, 1844, established a small organization called the Patagonian Missionary Society. He wrote, I have made up my mind to go back to South America and leave no stone unturned, no effort untried, no established, to establish a mission among the Aboriginal tribes. While God gives me strength, failure will not daunt me. Gardner visited South America a third time, but his efforts were again thwarted by inter-tribal fighting and governmental interference. The land, being strongly Catholic, intolerant to Protestant ministers, he returned to England, recruited six missionaries, and sailed for Tierra de Fuego. But all seven men died of disease, starvation, and exposure on Picton Island. Gardner, the last to die, dated his final journal, journal entry on September 5, 1851. Good, good and marvelous are the loving kindness of my gracious God unto me. He has preserved me here and for four days, although without bodily food, without any feelings of hunger or thirst. Captain Alan Gardner died without seeing a single soul save among those whom He was most burdened, but he lit a fire which has never gone out. His South American Missionary Society, as it came to be called, has been sending missionaries and saving souls for over 150 years. Our next story is, and our last is number 26, A Dangerous Position. James Chalmers was a carefree, high-spirited Scottish boy. I dearly love adventure, he later said, and a dangerous position was exhilarating. Perhaps that's why he listened carefully one Sunday when his minister read a letter from missionaries in Fiji. The preacher's tears in his eyes added, I wonder if there's a boy here who will be, will by and by bring the gospel to the cannibals. Young James said quietly, I will, and he wasn't even yet converted. In 1866, having been converted and trained, he sailed for the Pacific as a Presbyterian missionary. Chalmers had a way with people. It was in his presence, his carriage, his eyes, his voice, a friend wrote. There was something almost hypnotic about him, his perfect composure, his judgment and tact, and fearlessness brought him through a hundred difficulties. Robert Louis Stenson, who didn't like the missionaries until he met Charmers, said, he is a rowdy, but he is a hero. You can't worry me of that fella. He took me fairly by storm. In 1877, Chalmers sailed on to New Guinea. His ministry was successful. There, packed churches replaced feasts of human flesh. But as the years passed, he grew lonely. He was delighted when young Oliver Tompkins came to join him in 1901. The two men decided to explore a new new part of the island, and on Easter Sunday, they sailed alongside a new village. The next morning... April 8, 1901, charmers and Tompings went ashore. They were never seen again. A rescue party soon learned that the men had been clubbed to death, chopped to pieces, cooked and eaten. News flashed around the world. I cannot believe it, exclaimed Dr. Joseph Parker from the pulpit of London's famous city temple. I don't want to believe it. Such a mystery of providence makes it hard for a strained fate to recover. Yet Jesus was murdered. Paul was murdered. Many missionaries have been murdered. When I think of that side of that case, I cannot but feel that our honored and noble-minded friend has joined a great assembly. God loves carefree, high-spirited youngsters who have a hankering for adventure. He never knows what he may do with them. Amen. And that's the last reading of more real stories for the soul. Thank you. God bless you. When you thank me for many pleasures I provide, this is the Lord Jesus speaking out of 1 Thessalonians 5.18 and Psalms 146 121. When you thank me for many pleasures I provide, you affirm that I am God, from whom all blessings flow. When adversities may strike, and you thank me anyway, your trust in my sovereignty is the showpiece of invisible realms. Fill up your spare moments of your life with praise and thanksgiving. This joyous discipline will help you live in the intimacy of my presence. It is impossible to praise or thank me too much, saith the Lord, As it is written, I inhabit the praises of my people. Sometimes your adoration is a spontaneous overflow of joy in response to radiant beauty or rich blessings. At other times, your praise is more discipline and measure, an act of your will. I dwell equally in both types of praises. Thankfulness also is the royal road to draw near to me. A thankful heart has plenty of room for me. Amen. Now listen to some of my favorite music.
1: wearing my...
0: Tell me this again, honey. Uh, We were reading about uh, it is impossible to praise God too much. So you had a dream about thanking God and he rescued you in your dream, huh? Yes. Uh, Right here it says, a thankful heart has plenty of room for me. So tell me what you dream.
1: So on December the... I think it was the 5th or the 7th. I I recorded it on the iPad. Um, I had a dream and in this dream I was in this building and the building was a, a high building. And it was dark. It was dark, like it was, the weather was really cloudy and just, it seemed like a dark feeling. Mm-hmm. And then um, in this building, I started, uh, all of a sudden the, the earthquake, it was a big shift, but it was really a, a violent quake. It started to violently shake. And in the dream, I said to myself, you need a covering. So I got under the window ledge. I climbed up, to, and it was a high window ledge, so I climbed up there for my covering. Well, in the meantime, a second earthquake came, and it was violently shaking, and I, I couldn't hold on, so I fell back. But as I was falling back, I felt the feeling like, okay, well, if this is it, I'm just going to thank God. So I began to thank God. I said, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for my life. I was just grateful for my life. Thank you for my marriage. I did thank him for that. And um, as I did that, the water came gushing into the building, Okay, realized I was on a high building, so that's amazing that the water came into the high building. Like from the, it felt like a lot of water rushing in, and as as it was rushing in, a white boat showed up. A like white it just boat. showed up, but there was no driver or anything. It just shoo, showed up. I got in the boat, and the boat took me somewhere, rescued me to take me to a place, and the place was actually a church. And um, in this dream, I was wearing a purple top. And the color in the dream was highlighted to me as very significant. And so I was wearing this purple shirt and uh, or blouse. And, and the people said, we've been waiting for you. And they, some of the people had purple shirts on as well. Wow. So um, it was, wow, you know, dream. it seemed kind of like a scary dream. But man, when I woke up, I was excited about what, what the, you know, what how... How I got rescued was the the process of thanksgiving. And so, um, it was purple signifies royalty in, in colors. So, um, it, to me, it's like God saying, you're royalty. I got your back. Whenever you need on me, thank me. And uh, he was taking me almost to a place of destiny in the dream, like in a church. So, my destiny is, my calling is... Obviously, in the body of Christ, that's what everybody who believes is part of that body. But I have a place in that church, and it's—he's going to take me there.
0: That's beautiful. That's beautiful. You know, <clears throat> and I'm so glad you can interpret the dream. You know, the the cloud and the—I mm-hmm. uh, when I was in Antioch, I had this uh, guy with a big tattoo on his on his on the side of his neck, all the way up to his ear, around his half of his. And uh, I forgot his name, but he came up and I was in the desk and we just finished the AA meeting and he said, are you Fernando? He goes, yeah. He goes, I want you to sponsor me. (laughs) (laughs) And then he said, "I said, And I kind of kicked back and I smiled. I said, you want me to sponsor you? Okay. I want you to lift up your hands and say, I am a misfit. (laughs) <laughs> and he clutched his fist and he put him on the thing, and he leaned forward at me, and he looked at me and then he his face relaxed, and he said, "I'm gonna miss it." He relaxed a little bit and he said I, and then he said it a little louder and th- and then he, the, by the third time he said it, a smile came on his face
1: uh-huh.
0: now sometimes uh people say they've gotten mad at me
1: uh-huh.
0: you know I used to tell like I used to tell people. Say I am fine when they're when they're right. when they're drinking or right. when they're sick. I am good, and, and and they come back and they say, "What are you trying to do to me?" <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think <clears throat> when I tell someone I am a misfit? Is that scriptural? Yes, it
1: is. Um, and the reason is, first of all, we're all we've all come short of the glory of God.
0: We all we all, we're come, all sinned
1: and come. To, Shortcomings. Short right, the glory to the
0: God. So there's right. not one righteous, no, no, Right,
1: that's true. However, um, what I'm doing is I'm recognizing, hey, I can't do this on my own strength, on my own self effort. So, by praising the Lord for my shortcomings, that allows His power to come into my life with peace, whether He's going to give me peace or He's going to fix the, the problem. Now, um, remember there's a scripture in, uh, with Paul about the thorn in the flesh it says um, when he's weak um, you know that allows the Lord to come in and rest on you so when we're weak that's actually a good place to be in our weakness because it allows God to work in our lives the other way we're trying to fix it ourselves we're trying to uh, you know, do it on our own and it'll never be the right thing because we'll go, we'll, the same test will come again because he didn't allow the Lord to come in and be dependent on him. So I I, I believe, that, and not only that, there's another scripture that says that we thank him in all things, Ooh. not just the good stuff. I got a nice house, nice car. But
0: you believe in that process because you have seen results in the process. That you didn't use worry, you used faith. Right. You you used the tools that right. he had assigned you. And said, right. Praise me for the situation. Right. And, and over and over again, so you do you make a list of all the things he's done for you in the yes, past? Yes, yes. And fact, I,
1: I recall all the things. So you a,
0: recommend that people write down the many times that God has, has taken them out of a situation? Right.
1: yeah. It's, whether whether it's a big one or a small one, you know. call Bring into remembrance those things that the Lord has done for you because and the tell, Scripture and, says bring me into remembrance. What is it you need, my son or my daughter, right? And, and, so... You know, you begin to look at, hey, you rescued me from this mess, that mess. And, and no matter what I do or how short I fall, there's super abounding grace for that problem. You know, the Bible says that where sin, sin uh, abounds, grace super abounds. So there's so much grace for a situation. You just have to access it through, through the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that I messed the situation up, but thank you, I'm covered by the. I word. think you
0: said the key word: access it. You know, accessing. we have to come to the, the, the. Bible says, "godly skill," right. you know, is accessing, right. so we can understand how to live here on earth. Right. Understanding the way I, I understand it is mm. to keep your hand from sin, mm. which a lot of people sin. You know, mm-hmm. pornography, mm-hmm. Uh, or even, even mocking gossip. Judging, yeah. Be- beer is a mocker, strong drink mm-hmm. is a brawler. You know, when we mock others, we lose our spiritual. Mm, you shouldn't. And, you know, the, the, the Word of God is so tender, so mm-hmm. so fragile. God even tells us, He goes, when you call another person a fool or raka, you're in danger of, of a hellfire or you're in danger of the council. Like if there's a the court, a, yeah. a, court, a yeah. heavenly court. They're watching us. Mm-hmm. And either, mm-hmm. either they're going to admire us or they're going to give us to the destroyer, hand us over to the destroyer. Mm-hmm. So hopefully the, the flesh will be destroyed mm-hmm. and the spirit will yell, Abba, Father, and you'll save the spirit. So,
1: so yeah, I just want to also say that um, thanking God for the difficulty or what you're going through is probably the biggest test that we have on this earth. Beautiful. Because it's not easy to overcome your flesh and say hey I've got a problem and how am I supposed to be grateful for something bad. Beautiful. Well we have to remember God is on the throne. He controls all things and he has the power to turn around and restore the problem for you a hundredfold. And so um, I just believe that um, the more we practice it, even if you you can't say thank God I'm a misfit, but you can say thank God for the traffic, Lord. I praise you for the traffic because you got me at the right place at the right time. See now my my I've had a shift in my mind. I'm not looking at I'm not frustrated because I'm in the traffic. I'm saying thank God my God's got me at the right place at the right time. He's probably preventing an accident for me right now. I don't even know it.
0: You just reminded me when I was working for Safeway out of Tracy, driving semi, and I had to make a delivery to Berkeley, California. Mm-hmm. And I looked at the sheet. Now, Berkeley is an old town. The store was made back in the 50s to little trailers. I have to, you know, and I know the store because of the trouble of the old ladies, the cars, the... It's just obstacles, so many obstacles going to Berkeley. And then I said to myself, I'm not going to be able to make this money because it's piecework. Mm Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I'm barreling over the hill, the Altima, and then I'm coming down 580, and I ran, stopped solid on the freeway into traffic. And th- they just pay us piecework, whatever that piece of paper says, $65 or 70 That's and I need to make at least three of those to mm-hmm. make a, a even day.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm stuck in the freeway. Oh. And I remember what you just said. I said I started thanking God for the sea of cars. I wow. started praising Him and thanking Him. Mm-hmm. And then I, clo- I close my eyes and I open them and it's still standing still. And I praise Him some more and I open them and they're still standing still. And I praise Him and praise Him. But you know, we crawled and crawled. Finally, I just, finally, you know, about an hour later, I get to the Berkeley store. And sure enough, the little ladies weren't there. I scooped in there and scooped out in the back. I backed in on the first try. And when I got there, something happened that for the first time, there was three young uh, uh, store managers. And they, and they each had a pallet jack.
1: Wow. And, and they
0: said, go take a break. We'll unload it for you. And, and what normally takes me an hour to unload and take the milk to the freezer box, the meat to the meat department, wow. the produce to this. and, and They wow. did it all for Hallelujah. me.
1: Hallelujah. I
0: got out of there. That hour that I would took,
1: uh-huh.
0: I was out of there and I got back in time like there was no traffic. Wow. Now you're telling me there isn't a God. So you yeah. just, I have to write that one down. Here, I'm
1: <laughs> about to give you a pen because I like to ask you to put that in the journal for your book. <clears throat> but um, what I want to just close with is that, um, you know, we start with the small thank yous mm-hmm. in problems and then we can, we can you know, a, a person that takes good counsel will, if it's a big problem, will begin to implement it right away, even though they don't understand it. But if you can't do that, you can't understand the concept. Start testing it by doing the small steps. Thank God for your mother-in-law. Thank God for your sister and brothers. You thank know. you that your feet what, yeah. Thank you that your for your emotions are are raw. Whatever, just start small and begin to see God answer you. Uh, but what I want to say is I know that this is this is the way because um, on a consistent basis in this season that I'm in, God has been showing me uh, that through thanksgiving and praise is how he works. Mm-hmm. Because um, I, I know even like, I want to say seven years ago when we were first got married, um, I had the dream about the mountain. Okay, there was a big mountain in front of me. It had snow on top I was in a building by myself there was a big clear glass and I in that dream I knew that that there was the mountain was gonna come down um, and that you know that something bad was about to happen it was a beautiful sunny day but I saw this huge mountain was gonna come through the window kind of thing and then what happened was as I began to praise the Lord in the dream because that was my first instinct uh, I began to I praise you Lord, I thank you, and the next thing I know, I've been translated free of harm to Portland, Oregon, which we've got to visit, by the way, because Bobby and Carla are there, but I, I got translated to this peaceful little small country town, and um, as I was talking to people in the in the little, it was like a little shop where they sell jams and jellies, really country shop, and I was say, hey, didn't you hear about what had happened? not a person had heard anything that bad that had happened. So um, that was another instance where it was very significant that God is teaching me the strategy here on this earth to get through life. So, but in this season right now, we're in January 17th, last year, 2016, for a few, like maybe a quarter, a few months, all I've been getting In my dreams a theme of when I'm talking to people and I'm I'm encouraging them you know what's coming out of my mouth is we have to thank God for that situation you know I'm as I'm working with people let's thank God for that we have to thank God you know so God is giving me the strategy for others so not only for myself but I'm to teach this to others. And you've been
0: working with a Uber driver. Yes, the Uber, lady?
1: Uber driver, yeah.
0: And she's like a single mother with a yeah. guy that drinks that I right, work with. A- right. And he couldn't get it, huh? Right. He's still drinking.
1: Well, yeah, but um, she got it, and that's what matters, you mm-hmm. know, because uh, her, her, you know, she's carrying she's a big amazing. load. Amazing. She's yeah. able
0: to keep the house up.
1: Yeah, yeah, because Thanksgiving and praise.
0: Amen. Amen. So be it. Thank you. Thank you for this interview. God bless you. Have a good day.
1: Bye. We should have been, yeah.